Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. All right. All right. What movie quote is that, Jeff? Uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, that's. I don't actually know what movie it's from, but it is Matthew McConaughey. I always wanted to do it, but I can't really do it. Even though I'm from Texas, I, I can't do it. Well, right. you just did it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you at least got it. You at least got the character right. This is the hit factor, and we are we're back. Uh, we're podcasting again, which is good. Uh, so this yeah. is this might be a, a slightly shorter episode uh, than normal because life happens, and it it hit my wife real hard tonight. Uh, we were sitting there had had just finished eating, and she was holding my little thirteen month old girl and. Like she spit up. I was like, oh, she spit up on you a little bit. It's like, that's, I mean, that's kind of normal. Like no big deal. Like, and then it's like, oh, she yeah. kind of like really spit up. And then it's like, oh no, she's, she's actually throwing up. And then it's like, oh, she's still throwing up. And now she's still throwing up on you. And so she oh, wow. <laughs> just, just, my wife got all thrown up on. And so, uh, we had to be a little delayed in getting on tonight. And, uh, so we might have to be a little bit shorter because Sasquatch is, he's already tired. <laughs> So, yeah, he's he's dragging bottom. So we got to get going. Uh, so first things first, I am drinking the greatest mixed drink of all time. Jeff, can you guess what that is? A mixed drink, greatest mixed drink of all time. Yep, it's the greatest mixed drink of all time. I mean, I feel like I'm gonna fail miserably at this. Well, it's too big to be an old fashioned. What does it look like? It looks like a freaking Long Island iced tea or something. That's what I was thinking. It's an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> okay. We're going hard tonight, boys. Wow. <laughs> All right. If y'all don't know what an Arnold Palmer is, it is uh, it is tea and lemonade mixed together. Right. Um, right. I was having a debate with somebody about like the ratio of that, and I've I just mix them together. I have not really cared about the ratio because I like both of them. So if the lemonade's stronger than the tea, that's fine. Or if the tea is stronger than the lemonade, that's fine too. So there's no alcohol. There's no alcohol. Nope. It, it didn't oh. feel like a. I mean, I had I had some bourbon earlier tonight, but I didn't feel like having any more. I also have. Uh, this is super exciting. Like I don't know. Like I don't know if I can do this justice. My Set camera up a con can. Sandy. Nope. Nope. This is a molasses cookie. So think of like a snickerdoodle, but with almost like a a gingerbread snickerdoodle cookie. Right. It's so good. I think we ate a box of those on the way to a match one time. We my wife probably made some probably area three when you tried to kill me. And like I had even come with gifts and and you still tried to kill me. No, it wasn't that one. I'm sure that she has made them. She she used to before kids. She would make me like cookies before most of my trips. Yeah, but that kind of you have kids and that kind of. I'm just happy that I it, get to go. Yeah, I'm glad my wife doesn't do that. I'd be so fat. Well, yeah, some of us have more control when it comes to eating cookies and stuff than you do. Yeah. Anyway, I actually have an interesting follow up to that, but. I'm drinking um, Evan Williams single barrel. It's just like a, a cheap one I like. So I put ice in it because it's nice and cheap. Yeah, and it's I already watered down. Expensive so I stuff. Water it down some yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, I put ice in expensive stuff too. But I actually wasn't going to drink tonight because it's my birthday this weekend and I know I'm probably going to be going hard. So 
But well, that I means know, you need just... to drink every night, like leading up, like you can, so you can prepare yourself. That's right. You don't want yeah, it to that's... just like hit you all of a sudden. Uh, I think I do, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, when we sit down to record, I just it doesn't feel right unless I'm drinking something now. It's yeah. just part of it. I agree. Uh, yeah. So, Jared, what are you drinking? I I've switched it up from my normal water. For recording to a uh, Golden State Brewery Blonde Ale. All right. Um, I feel like you need to get a cup that has a handle on it for whenever you drink beer on the podcast. Yeah. I'll probably have one, but it, you need to. It looks you need like to you're drinking. It looks like you're drinking out of one of those like little tiny eight ounce glasses. It is. It's an eight ounce that glass. you see at like old diners and stuff. They got like the little <laughs> he stole foggy it. plastic. Eight ounce glasses. <laughs> Actually, this glass, uh, I think, was commandeered from a bar that was down the street from, from my old apartment. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh yeah, but my so my follow up to your thing about me eating terrible. Uh-huh. I was listening to a a podcast, or I guess it's a podcast. Yeah, it's called the Huberman Cast, maybe. I actually don't remember. It's Andrew Huberman. He's a Stanford uh, neuroscientist professor, I guess. Okay. Um, but he's a sciencey guy, and he does. He talks a lot about like biohacking, and he talks about uh, like uh, ADHD stuff like that. So I was listening to the one on ADHD, though I've never been diagnosed for that. It's interests me because I feel like I. I relate to people that have it a lot. Um, Yeah. And he was talking about it and he was saying that people that have it are like, like they kind of self-regulate and like caffeine and sugars are ways that, that your body can actually like, it helps you. Like if you have ADHD, not, not like processed sugar, like that kind of sugar, but uh, your body like craves those, um, and I can't remember exactly why he, he went through it all, but I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense since I'm, I, I do that a lot. So now anytime Jeff sees a, a sleeve of Oreos and he eats the whole thing, he's like, yep, I'm self-regulating up boys. This is, yeah. this is keeping yeah. me in check. This is helping my ADHD right here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to be fair, I don't think he was saying it was a great practice, but he was saying <laughs> that people who have ADHD are drawn to those things. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought mean, it was yeah, pretty no, interesting. I mean, it's a fascinating uh, – I mean, yeah, no, that is that is fairly fascinating. I actually do somewhat find that interesting. I'm not just trying to pander to Jeff. Yeah, but it was like a two-hour podcast. I didn't get through all of it yet. But pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Sounds cool. You'll have to uh, you'll have to experiment with that and let us know how it works for you. Yeah, yeah. He went into everything. He like talked about uh, like everything from like the the mildest effects on ADHD and and those disorders, like you know sugar, caffeine, and then he went like all the way into like the medication and also how those people like on the other side of the spectrum are drawn to things like methamphetamine <laughs> and cocaine. Oh. Yeah. Do you relate to those people? Tiger King is his uncle. I, I, I honestly don't really True. know anybody that does meth or cocaine consistently. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how you qualified that statement. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's all I had on that. It's good. You all should go check out his podcast, Andrew Huberman. He's a smart dude. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. So, uh, so yeah. I had I put a question up on Discord earlier today. If you're not on our Discord app, you guys should get on there because uh, there's there's some good discussions. I think there'll be a lot of good future discussions. Um, but my I have a premise uh, in that I believe that more practice sessions are better than a single long practice session. Uh, like, so throughout a day, like if you could do three 10 minute sessions or two 15 minute sessions or something like that, I think that is more conducive to, um, to performance than one single, like 30 minute session. Uh, so that's kind of a question that I put out there, but I guess I'll like, and I think that I need, I would need to add qualifiers to that, but like, we'll may get to that, but so I'll, I will open with that to you guys like what do you how do you guys feel about that and we'll just use it in terms of dry fire because like it's not it's not Mm -hmm. i don't think it's feasible for almost anybody to have like multiple 15 minute live fire sessions right like if people are going to the range like they're going to the range and that's all they're doing that that day they're not most people aren't going to be able to do that multiple times a day i actually wouldn't mind discussing that from kind of both sides so it's not exactly training on the live fire side, but I, I do shoot a lot during the week anyways because there's so many locals in my area. So normally with the ammo crunch that we've seen the last you know couple of years, I generally only live fire once a week nowadays uh, as far as for training. But I do, most weeks I'll shoot two other days that week as well. So I do certainly find it beneficial to shooting the gun on a regular basis. So I think if I uh, didn't have so many locals, I would probably break my training out into multiple sessions during the week. But uh, as far as on the dry fire side of things, I I, I think that's generally better. Uh, if you're gripping the gun properly and stuff, I mean, your hands are going to feel it after 15 or 20 minutes of dry fire. Yeah, that, that can definitely be part of it. And then it, like anything, sometimes if it's not going well, personally, I'd rather, you know, finish on a high note and stop early than if it's just a really off day and come back and do it later on. So I've certainly had that to, uh, you know, but if I'm not loading the gun well, maybe I'd do something else in dry fire. It has nothing to do with loading the gun. And then later on, I'll come back and knock out some loads later. Or I'll get a good load and I'll end it on something high there. But... Certainly breaking dry fire out over multiple sessions is probably way more beneficial than trying to do like one really long session because as soon as your grip starts going and everything, you're you're probably not getting as much as you should out of it if you're not gripping the gun hard, which is really easy to do if you try to do it for like an hour or half an hour or something. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think? I think because Jeff's gonna have a different opinion. Yeah, like, and I have, yeah, and sure. I have a just because I've heard Jeff's opinion on that. But I, I mean, I have a little bit different on on a little bit of what Sasquatch is saying. Don't tell me I'm stupid. It's okay. You're stupid. You're stupid. 
Probably. Um, That's probably true. I don't know. I, well, first, I feel like it really depends on what you're training. Um, so if you, if you weren't, if like the goal is to train cold, like that's what you're trying to hit, like you're trying to hit as many cold sessions as possible, then yeah, like a 10, 15 minute session is fine. You could do that three times a day. That's cool. That's perfect. Um, if you're trying to dial into a technique and you're trying to iron out some things on it, or maybe you changed your technique and you're trying to get it ingrained in you, right? Um, I kind of feel like it, each session needs to be like you're kind of getting into the groove after 10 or 15 minutes. And so you really need 10 or 15 minutes after that uh, to get going. So if, if that's what you're working on, then I would say the session needs to be 25, 30 minutes minimum if that's the goal of the session. Uh, and then on the complete far end of the spectrum, um, if you're working something that is just like not as fatiguing, uh, like, I don't know, just think of something less fatiguing. Um, you know, you could have a longer session. You could, you could go an hour. I've definitely gone an hour or an hour plus in dry fire sessions when I get to working on something and, and been fine. But, uh, I, I just think there's a place for everything. Like, I'm not going to say across the board. Yes. Three 15 minute sessions is better than a 30 minute session or, or something like that. Just cause I feel like it's, it's a little more complicated than that. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I would make the claim that, yeah, multiple sessions is better. Uh, for me, the reason why I will say that, um, part of that's going back to my musical experience, my musical training, and uh, that dealing with a lot of same fatigue issues a little bit. Um, but there's, like, there's something about mentally doing something and then, going and doing something completely different, like basically forgetting about it and then mentally having to do that again versus just mentally staying. Like if you've just mentally stayed in that space for one, for one session, even though it's a longer session, then like, Mm -hmm. as far as your mental side of it is concerned, you've only got one rep on it. But if you have multiple times at it throughout a day, even if it's just two, then mentally you've had two reps on that thing. So you've had two two different times to to make that more permanent. Um, so I, I think it's it's a bit on the side of performance wise. Like if you're trying to get your performance higher, then multiple sessions is the way to go. Uh, if you're like like Jeff is talking about, if you're if you're doing something new or you're, or you're introducing a new skill or you're trying to learn a new skill, then having a longer session may be, may be the more beneficial route because it may take you that longer session just to figure out how to do that new skill. Whereas a 15, you may not figure it out in 15 minutes. Um, so like, I definitely think there is a place for both of those. Um, I do want to address the fatigue thing because I, I do think Sasquatch is right and that people need like if you're if you're dry firing so long that's like you're getting fatigued and then you're just getting lazy because you're tired like that can be like that can introduce some bad habits of, of just not gripping the gun hard or anything like that. But if even if, if you are if you are fatigued and you can 
still grip the gun as hard as you can while you're tired. Maybe it's not as hard as you do when you're fresh, but if you still grip the gun as hard as you can while you're tired, I do think there's something to be learned from like, like your body will respond to that in a positive manner. Uh, that it will, that it like, so it's like, it's like working out when you're tired. Like, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's good value in that, uh, in working out when you're tired, like, cause that's going to push your boundaries. That's going to push you mentally and physically. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of value in, in training past your fatigue as well. Now, maybe not all the time, but I think there is that Jeff's kind of smirking at me. Like, I think he's going to tell me I'm an idiot. Two things kind of on, on what both you said. One, uh, something Jeff mentioned that's important there too is what you're doing can make a difference. Like 15 minutes of nothing but like draws, reloads, and transition stuff where you're getting a lot of reps, you know, right in a row like that and you're constantly gripping the gun is a lot different than, you know, doing five minutes or 15 minutes where you're moving around a lot or, you know, moving between positions. So what you're doing can also make a big difference like as far as if fatigue is going to be an issue or not in your hands. Yeah. And then you know, building on what you said about like working through fatigue and stuff as the season, you know, I'm thinking like where we're at right now, early season, haven't really started working at it yet. And, and as you're building up through the year, you should be able to go longer. Your, your hands are more used to it. They're, they're stronger. Your muscles are used to it. You're not going to have as much issue. Uh, but like personally, something I also do is if, if I'm, planning on dry firing like 30 minutes a day i will do like two 15 minute sessions and generally when i do that i will break them up onto like very basic skills on like a first session so it'd be like draws reloads transitions like nothing else just the the bare basics and then the second session would you know maybe mix those skills i've been working on together in various exercises yeah all sounds incredibly reasonable so I was thinking, what if we did like a training session? Like, like I, I may go out to, to Jeremy's place uh, in the next couple months sometime. What if we did like, I don't know if you guys know who Rich Piana is. And, uh, but he was, <laughs> he was essentially a, a bodybuilder that he's dead now, but from like drug use, but he, he, um, when I was in high school, he had like this, this workout that came out. I think I was in high school. He had what was called the eight hour arm workout. And so it was like this, this like series of exercises and you do it like, I don't know, every hour, every 30 minutes or something like that. And then he had like food that you would eat between each workout. And, you know, the claim was like put an inch on your arms in one day kind of deal. Uh, which, you know, that was just inflammation, but right. Yes. But but yes. Anyway. So what if we did like the rich Piana uh, workout of like training sessions? Right. So we like had these drills that we did like every 45 minutes or every hour on the hour and you do it like all freaking day. I mean, I, I think it'd be, I mean, I think it'd be great. I don't know many people who are like, like can do that right like that's just not that's not real le- yeah i mean if you if you set aside aside the the day people could do it like yeah you couldn't do it every week but if you're like hey this weekend this saturday i'm busy 
you could do it. You could plan to do it. Anybody could plan to do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do the, the rich piano workout. Oh, and when we're in between the drill, we'll go do we're an eating. arm workout. Oh, I thought we were going to be eating in between and, these drills. Yeah, like, okay, and eat. Sounds... Well, like, yeah, and it was like protein shakes and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I think, was like the, the main thing you were supposed to eat. <laughs> After this, you should definitely Google Rich Piana. Yeah, I need to I need to look that up. Uh you will just laugh your ass off. That sounds it sounds quite funny. Anyway. Yeah. That would be interesting though, to do like like what if you could get like ten cold sessions in in one day? Yeah. Right? I mean I I've done kind of some similar stuff, not that many. Um, but I've I've definitely done that where like when I'm working in the shop, like I leave my gun on all day. Or like all an entire afternoon or something, and like every every thirty minutes, I'll spend like two minutes dry firing. Um, right. I think someone mentioned in the Discord when you guys are dry firing. Do you guys take a break in between drills? Like personally, I'll kind of figure out what I'm going to do, and I'll set a timer and do that drill for three to five minutes, and then I'll take a couple of minutes. And look at my phone or, you know, browse Instagram or something to rest between drills. So, like, a 15-minute dry fire session for me is actually, you know, 30 minutes from putting the belt on to taking it off. How about for you guys? I did not do that. I do use a timer um, to, you know, to to work on a drill and then I'll I'll switch to something else. But but I don't generally, like, take a, a rest period more than... 30 seconds or a minute, you know. I don't do it all the time, but I, I certainly will sometimes. I think it, having a strong mental break in between doing two things can be beneficial as well. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I have thought about it, um, but I don't know. I just, I haven't done many trills where I, I felt like I really needed a break, I guess, other than like, I think I mentioned actually in the discord the other day, I was doing like reloads, like back to back to back to back, like just as fast as I could crank them out. And it didn't take very many to <laughs> my forearms burned so bad that like I no longer had dexterity and I couldn't like grab the mag with like the same fluid motion as I was on the first rep. So I was like, yeah, time for a break. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I mean, that stuff's interesting to test your limits and see what you can do. And then you kind of know, okay, well, I'll do five reps and then rest for 30 seconds and then do five reps uh, just to kind of let your forearms cool off. I love when, like, my fingers, like, cramp up trying to do a reload. And, like, they're, like, it's like they're stuck to the magazine because they won't release. <laughs> do you? It, I mean, it's it's weird. But, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't I mean, generally you just get like sloppy. Yeah, you can get sloppy, but that to me, like that's like if you're if you're trying to dial your re- like if your reloads aren't good, you need to get like like you need to get past the warm up stage to where you're hitting it good. Then at some point you're gonna get to where you can't like it'll you'll start missing them. You're gonna get tired and you'll start missing them. And if mm-hmm. you really want to get them consistent, you need to push past that until you start hitting them again. Like that to, Ooh, for me personally, that's when the when the reloads like that's whenever I really start dialing them in. Um, right. 
so like so there 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 is a benefit to using the fatigue to your advantage because physically you're not there so that means mentally you're going to have to make up for that fit that physical fatigue um so like I, for me in reloads like that's something that's like i've i've definitely pushed through a bunch of times do you continue pushing through them at like full speed uh if i can uh now jeff jeff makes fun of my reloads because they're like he dude jeremy's done a, never done a half speed reload in his life he thinks there's. He thinks there's. I, I don't know if he named them this. I name them suicide reloads because it's like they're great or they're or they're not. I just call. I just call them all or nothing reloads. Yeah. So something I probably do a little different. To you if I, if I'm after the you know warmed up, they're going good, and then something starts falling off. I will either one. I'll try to catch where the reload is that it didn't go well. If it's like you know catch the front of the gun or something, and see what it is and see where the error is. And then sometimes I'll do two or three loads, like completely slow, just so the angles are right, and then go back to full speed. Because a lot of times, if if I'm personally missing a reload like that, it's probably because I don't have the mag well pointed at the uh, belt well, or I've actually got the angle a little funky, like basically the direction the muzzle's pointed forward of me. Mm-hmm. And that'll cause me to catch it funny. So sometimes that's, that's where it all run into if I can start getting tired. Now, for your suicide loads, that is a lot easier to do with a magwell than without. I mean, like I do them with a twenty eleven with no magwell. I mean, you're still gonna say, "Well, that's a magwell," but I mean, like I still like I'm using IPSC magwell on my single stack. Um, but I don't think like anybody running a Glock or any sort of polymer lower like loading those a production gun versus a single stack with an Ipsic magwell. They're the same, Jared. Jared's going to call me stupid again, but they're the same. Uh, but like, I don't, uh, as far as your question, like, do you, do I slow down? Like if, if I've missed like a bunch in a row, then, then yes, I will. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to have to think about the angle of my gun. Like, uh, like that's like, I don't, I don't want any sort of mental. So like I will generally just keep going at it. Like I may, I may do some like loads. What do they call it? I can't remember what, who, Burkett what loads. Where you just put it like just like you don't actually insert it all the way. Um, I may stop yeah. and do something like that. Like if I get really mad, yeah, I may stop and and do some really slow stuff. Like why isn't doing it? But usually it's just keep. Honestly, it's kind of keep hammering because, and I do that because I have experience knowing that like it'll, like, it'll come back. Like mm-hmm. and that's like and I'm waiting for it to come back. And so if I can keep from throwing my gun through a wall. <laughs> before it comes back then i will yeah. then that then that's gonna be a good thing um because sometimes sometimes i can't like sometimes you just like you can't get it back um but like if you yeah. guys haven't ever done that on your loads and if you're shooting limiter open with the massive magwells then you, you probably don't ever you don't hardly get to that point with those guns maybe uh maybe take your magwell off on those guns to practice with no magwell um but like anybody what? shooting this CO or production or single stack, uh, yeah, get to where you're like slamming loads and get to where you're tired and you're missing and keep keep practicing at it until like it comes back, um, and see if you don't ha- see some retention with that later. So interesting, interesting. It was something to also something- also hold on hold on. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Sasquatch. 
I have not always done like my loads this fast. I used to have a pause in the load. Uh, like, like when I first started, it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll have a pause in the load. And the goal was always to just never have a pause. And so it was just a matter of like, I just stopped like over time, like I just stopped pausing at all. Um, mm-hmm. and it, sometimes it bites me in the butt, but it also yeah. like, but even, even with the pause, like I can, I can pause and still hang a mag up. Like, so for me, like it, it, my percentages haven't gone down by taking the pause out. Like you can, you can slow down and still screw it up. Like it, even if you go really slow, you can still miss. Have you ever like done a percentage, like done like 50 loads or something and see how many you flub? Mm, no, no, I haven't. I That's haven't also something do that. Uh, I'm going to mention this guy again. You guys should go follow this guy's podcast, Andrew Huberman. But he talks about uh, like the most effective uh, range to improve performance, like at what percentage you should be going. He talks about all kinds of stuff, but this was just one thing he talked about the other day. I actually sent this to Jeremy. And there's there's studies on this, like like the, the percentage of effort that, that gets you the furthest. And... I think what it came down to was 15% failure. So you're going you're going fast enough or hard enough that 15% of whatever you do doesn't work out right or fails. So think about that in terms of a load, right? Uh, 15% of your reloads are failed. And I know that's like you're not going to sit there and count loads but and calculate out 15%, but I think you could get a feel for it, right? Like maybe you calculated it out twice or something and then you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of know what that, that zone feels like. Uh, yeah. It's not something I've done, but um, it's, it's interesting that that research has been done. There is a zone that is the most optimal range to train in and it's not 60% speed, right? And right, it's not no. 110% speed. Um, but yeah, the, the research has shown is that 15% failure, so 85% success, which is, you know, it's beyond 100%, right? It's beyond your your 100% because you're failing 15%. So it's the the zone of, of optimal performance gains is, is beyond what you can do comfortably. And uh, I feel like we do know that. I mean, you have to push just beyond what you can do comfortably, and that's the zone of performance gains yeah no it's that's i think it's really fascinating you know and you talk about not trading like 60 percent. and when i say i do some slower if i'm messing it up i mean i do it a lot slower so i can see just exactly just do a perfect load and i think uh you were also talking that you don't like slow you used to have a small hitch in your load or slowed it down as it went to the gun or pause, and now you don't, I kind of actually the opposite. So I came from shooting 2011s and limiteds, like when I first, you know, started shooting seriously and shot some single stack with like a Dawson Ice on it. So more or less the same thing. When I switched to shooting carry optics in production, I actually added like a small pause in there because I was hanging the mag up way too often. Plus, I don't know if other guns would be the same for me, but with the shape of the front of the mag on a shadow mag 
it'll actually you can catch the front strap and it pinches the shit out of my finger mm-hmm. if I catch yeah. the front. Draws blood almost every time. That's that's mm-hmm. not fun. No, so, so I have a small hitch. Yeah. Also, something to be said for Jeremy is he has been shooting the same platform for like ten or twelve years. What? Yeah. How long? Yeah. So something. I like mean, there, that. there's there's a level of familiarity that he has with that platform that most people don't have. Uh, yeah. And if you're switching yeah. platforms fairly frequently, you may never have. I would guess that there's not a lot of people in the sport whose magwell looks like mine, like the bottom of their magwell. Yeah. Like I, I bet mine is more beat up than 99% of the people in this sport. Yeah. Like, I, like, like I'm, I'm moving steel, like the magwell is aluminum, but I've on my, one of my practice guns, I've beat the aluminum out so far that like, I've actually, like I'm, beating the steel up like the steel is is mushrooming yeah. and and deforming like uh, right. on the bottom of my gun uh most people's magwells don't like i've looked at a lot of magwells most of them don't look like that um right so i have put a lot of a lot of reloads into the bottom of my gun i think my my all all of my shadow twos have blue hitting grips on them i think the oldest shadow two that i have there is no blue left on the bottom of the grips because it's been hit by a bag so many times. Yeah. Man, that was one of my concerns when going to a production gun. Jeez, I think there's like a freaking tornado out here. Okay. Um, we couldn't yeah, hear that was, anything. Dude, it was so loud. Um, I, that was one of my concerns when going to production was having the polymer frames and like just tearing them to shreds. Yeah. Um, and mine are not torn to shreds. So that kind of makes me question myself. I'm like, am I failing enough? Am, am I in the, the zone of performance, right? Or am I going too slow trying not to, to damage my, my lowers so much? I don't know. But something that would make me hesitant to go from like a single stack to a, to a polymer gun because I didn't want to shoot a DASA. I still don't. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're talking about being worried about that though like shooting low cap one thing i would point out too is i would gladly take like a 1.3 second consistently never miss it reload over hitting that one second load 90 percent of the time in a match dude you know how many compliments jeremy gets from his subaru first but also from his fast reload yeah i mean dude. it's like my wife has gotten so I've got those method race wheels on my Subaru that are bronze. Uh, <laughs> apparently, my wife told me the other day she's like, "Yeah, I've had like four or five guys like stop me, or, like like come up to her like at the daycare or at like the Walmart parking lot, and be like, where did you get your wheels? Because those are awesome, and I want to put them on my car. So like, people love that car, man. Like like I don't know why, but people love that car. It's so strange, honestly. It's awesome. It's just- Really weird. I don't. I can't, I can't explain it either. But people really like that car. Uh, anyway, his and, reloads aren't as cool as his Subaru. No, apparently, oh, apparently, oh, nowhere near as cool as the Subaru. Uh, but if anybody is going to get a compliment on like their fire reload, it's going to be Jeremy. 
Yeah. I think I think Mason's is maybe faster, maybe better. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you and Mason pretty much that have that level of reload. I mean, there's probably some I mean, some Travis Tomasi is there, right? Like, I mean, he's, it's a 2011. So, it's, Travis I mean, is insane. Like, Travis is pretty crazy. Like, his hand speed's pretty insane. I mean, Travis is like the OG, like, like the OG reload legend, right? Like, it's like Travis. Yeah, he is. I, I don't know what his reload is now. I don't think I've seen him do those. I imagine it's still pretty good. I think he's, I think he's, I don't think it's a problem for him. It also yeah. it doesn't matter. He has like the most famous reload video ever. Right. He does. Yeah, that's no doubt. Yeah. yeah, and other people have done that, and like, but I mean, yeah, Travis is the he's the reload king. Yeah, and Travis we're all was the one. He was on uh, MythBusters, right? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he's been on MythBusters. Yeah, he was on before. MythBusters. I don't know if it was for his reload, but he's been on. No, I'm pretty sure he's been on MythBusters. Yeah, he I was think he was on like shooting. the. Like, I don't know, shooting fast or splitting a bullet or something, or maybe both. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't remember what he did, but he was on there. Um Yeah, the reload, like a really fast reload does look good on Instagram. It does. Like like people can see the reload, they can't see your hits. So mm-hmm. like the the reload is good. You know like, what looks like even to, better on Instagram? Splits? Is a a really fast no look reload. Oh yeah, those are good right. too. Yeah. Or a really fast no look catch the mag reload. Hmm. Yeah, I've never right. actually tried to do the catch the mag thing. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I have the coordination to do it. Yeah, I don't know. So while we're like, when I was thinking about this topic uh, earlier today, I was I was actually kind of thinking about just like our sport in general. And I don't actually know of another sport that is like combines as many different skills. Like you need to be athletic. Like you need to have a certain medal of athleticism, like in our sport. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know, like I know that, like there's, like there's caveats all this. Like there's a certain amount of athleticism that's 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 required. There's a certain amount of eye-hand coordination like coordination, which you could put that with athleticism, but it's, it's, I think it's different. Um, there's a certain amount of like intelligence, like that you need to, like that you need to be able to have, like just to figure out like good stage plans, like figure out how to train, like stuff like that. Um, there's like just the mental aspect of like being able to handle pressure and like, like it's a, like you have to perform right now and like you've get like 20 seconds uh, and you got to do that multiple times throughout a day. And I think there was, there was one other thing, but like our sport requires all of that, uh, to, yeah. to really be good at it. And like, there's not as, I don't know that there's a ton of sports out there that actually require you to be as well-rounded as USPSA does. Now, obviously like if you have like, and the, and skill, sorry, and skill, like shooting skill. Uh, like that, I didn't, I didn't really mention, but shooting skill itself. Um, now, if you have like, if you are overabundant in one thing, you can make up for a lack of like, if you're not super athletic, but you have really great shooting skills, like you can kind of make up for that athleticism, right? Um, or if you're super athletic, but your shooting skills aren't, aren't as high, you can somewhat make up for some of that with your athleticism and you can be faster. Uh, than other people are, and an open gun. 
Uh, open gun helps too, or PCC, right? Like you just you change your equipment. Um, but I think our sport is is pretty unique in the the amount of things that it requires you to put together to do well at in our sport. Yeah, yeah, and something on that too, like the on the being athletic side, like certainly being more athletic will always help. But I think a big part of that is not just in the general sense of thinking athletic, like, you know, some super fast football player or something. It's, you know, athletic as far as I think of being efficient and how well they move and stop and stuff like that is far more important on the athletic side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's mainly like how quickly can you start moving and how quickly can you stop moving? And that's, uh, yeah. that's one of the, the massive things that Eric Rafael is just phenomenal at is his ability to start and stop on a dime. It's pretty incredible. Oh, he's, he's leaps and bounds above everybody. Yeah. From that. Have you, yeah. Have you seen how fast he shoots that open gun with good accuracy? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah he's, like he's, he's good he's, at everything. He's, he's leaps and bounds. Above, like you take all of those categories and Eric is not deficient in any of them. That's why he's the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, I think... Sec- you got another report, Jeff? I mean, if if y'all want it, we, we have lots of questions. Let's do one more. I still got some molasses cookies to eat. Okay. Okay, well, this one, we're going to skip. We're going to go on to this easier one. Maybe do that one. This is a good one, though. All right, do you have a basic stretching routine before matches? If so, what? Also, anything you recommend for improving improving hand strength? Who wants to go first? Uh, stretching, no. I don't stretch. Probably should, but I don't. I don't stretch. Would you like to talk some shit about people that do stretches? No. No? Okay. okay. I actually think Jared? it's probably a, probably a generally good, healthy thing to do. Uh, I am extremely unflexible. Like I've never touched my toes in my life without bending my knees. Like even whenever oh. I was like in high school, like playing tennis and like they made you stretch. I've never been yeah. able to do that. And I hate stretching, so I don't do it. Jeremy also can't like put his hands over his head. He like can't shoot prone. Oh yeah. Like, pr- like, like shooting prone. Like I, I don't do it. I take a knee. Like I've like they had a yeah. port at uh St. Like George one year. Upside, he'll shoot upside down with the gun between his legs before he'll go prone. Uh, no, that's Rob Latham that does that. Like he bends over backwards and you and basically do that. Uh, but I fold up. I fold my body, my Gumby body up. Like there was a there was a port at St. George. I think it was in like 2017, but like it was, it could not have been more than 10 inches off the ground. And I think it was even less than that. And I still didn't go prone. Like, forget that. I still just, <laughs> I took it. I took an, I go on one knee and I bend over and I can put that gun basically on the ground. And if you have, if you have to get up and move after that, it's way better than going prone. Like, so, so that's what I do. Uh, I, I don't know if I've gone prone in a match before that they didn't like force you to. There's mm-hmm. some, there's sometimes where you're almost forced to do it, but, but it, I don't, I do everything I can to avoid it now. Jared. So I will generally just stretch out my calves. That's only because 
I've ran into, especially uh, some of the range I've shot will have sand on them. And it's just, it, you know, it'll cause some cramps sometimes in my calves. So I try to normally stretch them. And then otherwise I'll only stretch something else if I've been dealing with some soreness or an injury. Like mm. uh, last year, I was having some pain in my uh, glutes, I guess would be the right term. So I was making sure to stretch those out. But otherwise I don't generally stretch too seriously yeah um i mean this is kind of an interesting topic when it comes to like exercise science um i believe what they've come to the conclusion to is that stretching before um a sport or exercise or movement that requires explosive energy is detrimental uh and it, it robs you of explosive power and strength, uh, which is why people that do like powerlifting or sprinting, something like that, like they're not going to stretch. Um, they're going to do like dynamic warm-up movements, right? They're going to like leg swings. Uh, they want to get blood flowing. They want to get joints moving, but they don't want to stretch their muscles as it robs them of performance. So, um, and... I mean, for the most part, our, our sport is explosive movements. Um, you're, you're exploding with your hands to get your gun out of your holster. You're exploding with your legs to get out of position. Uh, for the most part, our, our whole sport is explosive. Um, yeah, I mean, I generally just do like mobility stuff. I'll, I do like jumping jacks, try to get blood flowing. I might do some like get into like a squat position and try to loosen up my, my hip joints, make that feel good. Um, or some, some twisting movements, uh, just try to get moving is what I generally try to do. I don't, I don't try to like stretch per se. It's, it's more just like get moving to spend like five minutes or so moving, which I don't even do all the time. But if I do do something, if I have time to do something, that's what I'll do. Yeah. I will say like, like if it's cold, like it was kind of at Missouri, like, especially like on our first stage before I did anything, like I was doing like a bunch of air squats. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel like a goober. Like people are looking at you like you're, you're weird when you're doing that. But like, like doing like something like air squats is not going to really like, it's not going to get my heart rate going a whole lot, uh, but it's using big muscle groups that can get the blood flowing, uh, which will one warm me up. Like it's, it's a way to just get, get warm, but it also like, mm-hmm from a temperature standpoint, but it also kind of warms your body up uh, and gets it prepared to move. So I will do, I'll do stuff like that. Uh, I do like, like if I do like doing, um, Oh, what do you like when you hold, like you hold your arm out, like arms, like straight out and you're doing like circles, like small circles and you can do big circles. I think there's a name for that, that movement, but I forgot what it is. I like to call it arm circles. Oh, arm circles. That's a good name. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, like, like if you guys are on the Discord, like, he talks about, like, his training and stuff that he does every day. Like, he's got all these, like, stuff that, like, he's like, I did this, 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 and this. And, like, he's got all these names for it. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I I sweat a bunch this morning. So, that I, I think that was good. And that's about as far as I know. Um, so, Jeff's, yeah. Jeff knows a lot more about that than I do. I'm not – I mean, I, I just – move there's there's three things that i've spent a lot of time developing like knowledge and 
and time doing, and that's mechanics, working on vehicles and off-roading stuff, and that's fitness, exercise, weightlifting, stuff like that, and shooting. That's Those are like the three things that I know a decent amount about. So. And crypto. Yeah, and now crypto. See this? Yeah. He's, he's getting mm-hmm. rich right now. He is mining it like a daggum yep. gold miner back there. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. What about was, there, the, was there a second part of that question? Yes, it was uh, on yeah, hand there was strength. Hand strength. Oh, wait, wait. Another thing is like like seriously going after and like stretching a, a super cold muscle is also a good way to like injure yourself. So be wary of that. Okay, yep. so – the other half of that question on hand strength. Yeah. Personally, I don't really do any grip exercises outside of I'll do some of the uh, like little weightlifting exercises to help prevent uh, like tendonitis in your arms and stuff. But outside of that, I don't I don't do anything grip related. But I'm I'm probably a terrible person to ask on that because. I'm a fairly large dude with fairly large hands, so I can exert a lot of grip strength anyways. Yeah, 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 it wouldn't matter if you did anything. Yeah, Jared's not the person to ask about, like, what should I do for grip strength because he has gorilla hands. Yeah, so. like, if, if you need grip strength here, let's let's say, like, for the audio rippers, if you need grip strength at, like, 50%, like, Jared's base level is probably at, like, 80%. <laughs> like, he has plenty of grip strength to to deal with here yeah and and like did you have to do because you had carpal tunnel surgery right Mm -hmm. yeah so what kind of rehab were you looking at there i don't even remember what they had me do Um, yeah exactly i don't I, i don't know if there was anything like weight related to it i mean it was a pretty quick rehab process and if anything um Doing the surgery definitely helped me a lot because I had, like, with carpal tunnel, there's also less blood flow in your hands. Mm-hmm. So I was I was certainly losing grip strength with it, though. Like, it, uh, part of the test was they would check it, and I think at one point in time I was down to like 130 pounds was the grip strength I could exert in my more injured hand, mm. which was, you know, probably 60 or 70 percent of what I could do prior. Right. But after after the surgery, uh, it got rid of my sensitivity to like cold and stuff with my hands. Like I couldn't I couldn't work without gloves on if it was like twenty five or thirty degrees outside, like with hand tools or anything. Hmm. Interesting. I couldn't I had no dexterity whenever before the surgery. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Hmm. Jeremy, do you do any grip strength training? Uh, so like that's something that I got. I mean, like I have spent a lot of time with that. Like I'm not a bit like I'm not a big guy. Like I'm I'm like I'm six two, but I'm skinny. Uh, and like being like real like big arms is not that's not me. Like anybody that's like seen me would have probably agree with that. Um, and so, like early on, like it was for me like the thing that I was chasing was was recoil control like that like that was like that's what's holding me back like i've got to get stronger and so like did the grippers and used the grippers a lot um like the captain of crush grippers um Mm -hmm. and and got to where i mean like i could like i was working out with like a one 
a one and a one and a half, and I could from a set I could close a two, um, which is, I mean, I thought was pretty good. Um, like that took a lot of work to get to there, but it it the results weren't there in my shooting necessarily. Like it, it didn't necessarily fix what I was hoping it was gonna fix, um, and so I have not spent. I have not used those. I actually got them out just this week. I kind of messed with the grippers a little bit. Um, and I got to where I was, I was dealing with, so I had a lot of tendonitis, um, like in my, in my forearms on the outside part of my forearms. Cause people get, people start talking about tendonitis, man. People get it in all sorts of places. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. but I got what would be traditionally called tennis elbow, which I used to get when I played ten, I actually played tennis in high school and I got tennis elbow really bad then. And what tendonitis is like at that point, like basically it's your, your large muscles are not there. They're not strong enough to like your, your small tendons, small muscles are getting overused and inflamed because your large muscles can't handle it. Um, and so like you need to strengthen those, those large muscles. Um, and, um, Corey Estill, I, I may be saying his last name is wrong. Jeff's probably never heard of the guy. He he used to be a shooter. He was a top sixteen guy, like, or like, we're talking like ten years ago, like in single stack. Um, but I think he's a physical therapist, uh, and he's got a video out on YouTube um, about about shooter's elbow, tennis elbow, and that sort of stuff, and like how to get over it. And there's some there's some exercises that he he says you need to do these every day uh and if you do it's about 15 minutes or less uh it's not that it's not that much and he says like it doesn't matter if it hurts that's fine like you don't need to not if it hurts that doesn't mean you need to stop um for the exercises that he's talking about you need to you need to work through that and and i did it like whenever i was dealing with that stuff i i did it to where i was doing those exercises probably every day for like a year and that was when I was really shooting a lot, so like I was, re- I was really dealing with a lot of tendonitis, and it, if, it, it fixed it for me, like it, it went away. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like wrist curls, upside down wrist curls, and bicep curls, and you start with a 15, 15, re- uh, 15 reps per set. You do three sets, and you have to, each set gets heavier. So you may be, you may be starting with only like. 15 pounds or even 10 pounds, like when you first start. So you go 10, 15, 20, uh, and, and that you may, you may move that up, but you're not talking about real heavy weights here, uh, to get those stronger. And, and so those are, those are really good to do. And what I found when I was doing those, uh, and I wasn't doing the grippers when I was doing those exercises, uh, on it every day that like I could then go and, and pick up a gripper and I was, I was just as strong. My grip strength was just as strong then as whenever I was trying to actually using those grippers on, on a daily basis, um, without the, this, the bad side effects of using the grippers on a daily basis. You know, another thing I'll do is I would argue most adult males have plenty of grip strength, especially you know, shooting minor, but even shooting major, most adult males will have plenty of grip strength anyways that I don't know that it's a, would be a real valuable thing to waste a ton of time on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of people so, who would disagree with that. Um, like they're like, like they would just say like that, cause that they use their grip strength 
to their advantage, a lot to their advantage, like a Charlie Perez, like uh, a Rob Latham, uh, Bob Crow. I would say even Sasquatch. Like, like oh, I, I certainly know I do. I'm just saying you I use it know. much to your advantage. Um, but you, there also are shooters where, like, you watch them and like their gun, it looks like the front sight's going to hit them in the forehead, and they still shoot really well. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just meaning I don't know that it's. Uh... Not that there's not value in it in and of itself. I just don't know that it's uh, real low-hanging fruit is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it might not yeah. be. It might not be. Um, okay, so first thing, Ben has talked about this a lot in the past, the grip strength deal and and the diminishing returns of, of training grip strength. And, you know, he doesn't think it's worth it. Uh, he thinks the risk of injury of, of training, like doing the grippers and stuff is, you know, outweighs the benefits of, of anything. And he also talks about like most people don't have an issue with grip strength. They have an issue with consciously gripping the gun. Um, so if, if you think you have a weak grip, um, maybe don't think about that for a while. Just think about when you're shooting, think about actually gripping the gun, like actually squeezing it. Um, so Maybe go on that, and and Jared may be right. Maybe you know, you you're you're a male, and you actually have the the correct amount of grip strength. Um, and then the other side is what Jeremy was talking about with tendonitis, and I'll just kind of echo what he said about about tendonitis. Um, the, I mean, I guess unless you have carpal tunnel, I don't know a lot about carpal tunnel, um, but generally, like tendonitis, the the way to solve it is not to do nothing. Like you can do nothing, right? And it may go away, but it's going to come right back as soon as you start up again, right? So tendonitis, I mean, you have to fix it. You have to strengthen your muscles and um, you got you to gotta keep working through it. And yeah, after you do a session and you do the, the strengthening exercises, it might hurt like hell because it's going to be inflamed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the next day it might feel better. It might feel a little better. And I've dealt with this tennis elbow. I also played tennis. I also shoot guns. I've dealt with this recently in my knee, which is what that ended up being. I thought it was some sort of tear, but I had an MRI and it was not. Uh, and so That's I good. just, I was just like, okay, well, I'll just start doing strengthening exercises. So I, I started following a guy on Instagram, Ben Patrick, he talks a lot about uh, knee health and shoulder health and has all these exercises for, for getting rid of knee pain. He's had a bunch of knee surgeries and he's developed a program for you to start from like barely being able to bend your knees to, to where he is. And uh, so he has a lot of great tips. So I've just been doing some of his exercises and, you know, I'm basically on my way to recovery. I still have a bit of discomfort, but pretty much all functional uh, now. Um, so yeah, the, the key with, with tendonitis and, and those, those pains that come with overuse is strengthening your muscles. Uh, that, in my opinion, that is the key from dealing with tennis elbow, dealing with knee pain. Uh, yeah, I've, I've overcome both of those in that way. You gotta, you gotta strengthen them. The pain's not going to be gone tomorrow. It might not be gone next week, but you know, you keep doing it and the pain will get less and less and less until one day you're like, Oh. It just doesn't hurt anymore. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think for me, think it, I think it was about a a month to six weeks on the like the tennis elbow, shooter's yeah. elbow, whatever you want to call it. About a month to six weeks of doing that, doing those exercises a daily deal. For it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's it's basically every once in a while it might for the like the next three months it might kind of every once in a while you might feel a little bit of of yeah. soreness there, but not nothing debilitating. Yeah. Um, and then like, I'm also just a huge advocate for, for fitness and people taking care of themselves and being in shape and doing something. Um, so like if your overall body is just strong and healthy, um, then like your grip strength is going to be strong and healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not going to be lacking like i don't really train grip strength at all but you know i do like pull-ups and and deadlifts and and stuff like that and that all takes the grip strength right and i dry fire which is probably the most taxing thing i do to my forearms um so yeah that's another thing just being like overall a strong human being is going to be beneficial yeah yeah i think that's a a good thing that more people should do just in a general, like yeah. if you work out like on a regular, if you work out in a smart manner on a regular basis, like you're going to be healthier, but you're also going to perform better. Like, like your like yeah. your heart rate is going to be lower. Like you'll be able like on big stages, like you'll be able to handle those better. You're not going to be breathing as hard at the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you can handle long matches cause you're going to have a lot more energy. Like, it's just going to make you a better shooter, better performer, and you're going to be a healthier person. Yeah, and and I'll say this for for fitness. I mean, there's a lot of crap out there. Um, there's there's a like the fitness industry <laughs> is massive. There's people making massive amounts of money in the fitness industry. There's a lot of garbage uh, advice, workouts, stuff out there, but. The main takeaway is just do something, man. Just do something. Like you can always do an exercise. You don't have to have a gym. I don't go to a gym. I don't have a gym that I go to. I do primarily calisthenics type stuff, which is body weight training. I'll do squats, push-ups, pull-ups. I have some weights that I lift as well. Um, but yeah, I don't go to a gym. I just work out in my garage. But it's something that I do. It's just what I do now. And that didn't really start uh, consistently until I was in my late 20s, honestly. You know, it was off and on from, from high school till after college just because, you know, your schedule is constantly changing. And, you know, it's hard to get any sort of rhythm going when you're in that period of your life. But once I got into adulthood and dealing with adult stuff, then I was able to establish a sort of a, a habit. And, and now it's what I do. You know, I, I take care of myself and, and try to be better. But yeah. So all that to say, like starting a fitness journey, starting a, a workout journey and starting to take care of yourself. It is that it is a journey and it, it changes and you're probably going to suck at it to start with. But just do something, do five minutes, do two minutes. If you're trying to get up early and work out, just get up. Right. That's the first step. Just get up. Uh, just get up, uh, get up, do a squat and then go to work and the next day, get up and do five squats, you know, just, 
do something, try to do better every day. And, and you won't always, it won't always happen. Like you won't always be able to get up and do better, but that's okay. Yeah. Like this goes back to our very first, like when we were talking about this, about like, do you dry fire for one long session or, or multiple sessions? Like there was a, uh, I saw an Instagram video here recently. I don't remember who it was, but, uh, their claim was that like consistency matters way more than intensity. Like if you will consistently do like 15, 20 minutes a day and you do that every day, like you do it consistently, that is way more important than, than having like these really intense workouts, but they're not, there's no consistency to them. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's true of working out. I think that's true of dry fire as well. Like that's true of almost anything like consistency almost always went over uh, intensity if, if that intensity doesn't have any sort of consistency to it. Yeah. Which yeah, that I made agree. me feel good. Cause like, I don't, I don't really like intense workouts. Like, cause I don't like the working, I don't like to work out. So like I do like these little sissy workouts that aren't very intense and that's good. So I take solace whenever they say, Hey, if you're consistent, cause I'll wake up and do it. Uh, <laughs> it just, it just might not look very good. I think it was last summer. I, I took a, a picture in the mirror after a workout and like my shirt was completely soaked. Like the whole thing was completely soaked. And Jeremy for body's like, I've never sweat that much in my entire life. I don't think so. I don't think I have. Uh, like I just, no, I don't sweat that much. It's just not something that, that I do. I'm not about that life. I like you sweat, like go ahead and sweat a little bit, but, but not that much. That's I'm not about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just because my garage is hot. So it's not like it was a super intense workout. <laughs> it, it looked impressive. Like it kind of looked it, it, like it, it looks like my reloads look on Instagram. Right. It's like, dude, that <laughs> right. dude did some work. Right. Uh, Got to work. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, All right. we we indirectly hit the tendonitis question as well. So perfect. Awesome. Knocking them out. Yeah, I can. X that one off the list and uh, and this one. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for tonight. Y'all got any closing remarks? Uh, join the Discord uh, and participate on Discord. Like the more chats, like the more chats and the more conversations we get on there, the more stuff we have to talk about, the more stuff we know what's going on. Uh, and then there's a place for, for questions. We have – we have several, like if you've put a question there, like we are getting to, like we will get to it. Uh, mm-hmm. It may not be like it, we will get to it. Uh, we're not, we're not going to ignore it. Um, oh, one other thing that I actually, so multi-gun nationals, people are, are saying like they like whenever we do like match recaps and stuff. Uh, yeah, so yeah. not many people may not get to this part of the recording. That's fine. And this will be really short because I don't follow multi-gun really closely. Um, but it looked like the, uh, like the tactical division was pretty interesting. Uh, was it mm-hmm. that somebody won that I didn't, I couldn't say his last name. He shoots for the AMU, yeah. Nate, Nate Stakowitz. Yeah. I don't. So I already had it. I already had it pulled up in case we were going to talk oh. about it. It's, uh, oh, Nate Stakowitz. Yeah. See, he can't say it either. And Woo! he's looking at it. That's, That's a, a good one. one. 
That's, that's good a, job, Nate. Go, Nate. Uh, and he like, and the, it's impressive because like he he squeaked past uh, Daniel Horner. Uh, wow. Yeah. Half half a match point. Yeah. Yep. Like crazy, crazy close. Um, and Horner's been, as far as I know, like pretty untouchable in that division. Um, maybe he's. I don't know if he's. I'm sure he's been beat in the last ten last. Five, six, seven years, but uh, it doesn't. He's feel also like he a has. military. He was a military category too. Yeah, Nate shoots for the AMU. Um, okay, cool. And then Daniel used to. Daniel was until he got he got a job with Sig. Um, yeah. So the top three, or let's do top five here. It would be Nate. Sorry, I can't say your last name. Daniel Horner, Jacob Hetherington, Nils Johnson, and Brian Nelson. That would be the top five in the tactical division. Open division, you had John Weedle, Josh Frolic. Frelick. Frelick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he pronounces it Frelick. I could be wrong, but. I believe so. Scott Green, Joel Turner, and Joe Farewell. And so I think the guy that won open was also, I think he's also an AMU guy. Yeah, Um, he was. Military, and then yeah. the other division was limited, and there was only ten shooters in it. Yeah, I think tactical and open are kind of the the yeah. main divisions in three guns. So top three yeah, in so. limited were Houston Russell, Connor Freiberger, killer last name, and Adam Maxwell. And, and then overall, Jeff hungry just reading it. Yeah, <laughs> overall. Um, you had John Weedle, Josh Fralick, Scott Green, Joel Turner, and Nate Steskowitz. St- Are you going to take a stab at that? Steskowitz? No. Steskowitz. Wix. Steskowitz. Be curious what they actually what like like you know like whenever he like first went to to boot camp or whatever like and and the right. guy like doing roll call like I, I haven't right. experienced this like so I don't I just I'm just imagining what it's like his head like I just feel like he comes to him he's like private yeah I'm not calling call, you that and just gives him some sort of name <laughs> yeah I'd either call him Stasky or Wix yeah I bet it's I bet it's something like that. Uh, so if you know him, if you know Nate, and he has a name, I'm sure he, he has to have nicknames. Uh, I, you can let us know. Um, that or yeah, like so I, it's super simple to say, right? And it's like just looks probably. complicated. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Yeah, I but think yeah. I think USPSA has kind of like they've kind of listened to the like the people who have complained about their multi gun rules, and I think they've tried to make a push to be more in line with what people generally want with three gun. That's just my sense of it. I don't shoot three guns, so I could be totally wrong, but I think they are, they have tried to, to try to get a little bit more in line with what people want from a multi-gun standpoint. And so that's, I think that's good. Uh, I think there was good, looked like there was really good competition at the top of the, at least the two main divisions. Uh, so that's, that's good to see. Um, also, Jerry and Lena shot this match. Jerry came in 14th in open. Yeah, Lena beat him, I Michelet, think. Michelet, Michelet. 
And then she came in seventh in tactical division. Yeah. Uh, so she won high lady, I, I assume. Um, yeah. So she would be the, the lady champion, which I think we should recognize. Should be recognized. And most importantly, she beat my friend Dylan easily by four spots. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. She's, I mean, like, she is pretty good with the shotgun. I mean, she's pretty good with, I mean, she's yeah. Jerry's, like, kid. Like, right. she gets to go home and practice with Jerry Mitchellick. Like, she's probably going to be pretty decent. But I think you're right. I think the shotgun is, like, the is like her... That's her bread and butter. She I won, mean, she the won shotgun, a gold. Right? She won a gold medal for the shotgun world shoot. Yeah, when she was like what, sixteen or seventeen? I don't know. Yeah, she was young. So yeah, she's she's good. Uh, if there are if there are any matches that you guys want us to uh, report on or or like let us know, like we may miss like we may miss some, but we will try. We're getting into match season. There's going to be matches more yeah. frequently, so we will try to keep up with those if it looks like there were like like people that are known uh we will try to cover that as best we can yeah i so i just like looked in the the uspsa website and like the results i guess in there mm-hmm. and see the matches and then go to practice score and pull them up so yeah. that's kind of what i have planned so if you've got one that is not on there for some reason maybe it's an outlaw match or something like that that a bunch of known people are shooting uh, might hit us up, send us a message, join the Discord, like, subscribe, comment, um, <laughs> all that good stuff, all of it. All right, that's it. Peace. Peace. Oh, stop recording! Damn it. <laughs>